Again, welcome to Radius West Columbia. Glad you're here. I'm Doug Mathis. If this is your first Sunday, I am not the pastor. So I encourage you to come back at least one more Sunday and hear Jason. Uh, For those of y'all that are regulars, you're like, well, obviously you're not Jason. Um, He's out today, uh, but he'll be back next Sunday. So, but we're going to continue the talk we've been having for the last couple weeks about being free. What that looks like, freedom in Christ. The Bible tells us that there is only one true way to be free, and that is in, in Jesus. Um, Paul's telling the church in Galatia, uh, through his letter to them, um, that you were set free by Jesus, by grace, through faith in him, and you need to stay there. You're saved that way, you stay in right relationship that way, that you don't need to add things, you don't have to add anything. For them, it was uh, maybe becoming Jewish or going through certain ceremonies. Paul said this in chapter 5, verse 1, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. He says, stand firm so you don't fall back under that yoke of slavery. So he, he gets it that our tendency is our natural response. And I've, I've thought about it. I love that we sang Amazing Grace first because I think that's part of the reason or a big reason why we struggle so much. Because in our society today, um, if I get something, it's because I've done something to get it. If you give me something, I'm going to pay you for it. But God's grace isn't that way at all. It's the opposite of the way the world works in a lot of ways. So we have to fight that. Jason, last week, finished up Galatians chapter 1, where Paul was telling his story. His life before he believed in Jesus. You probably read or might have heard of that Damascus Road encounter that he had that was life-changing. And then Paul tells of his life after that. And, and when our lives are changed by Jesus, it's more than just a story, it's a testimony. It's telling not just about Paul and how great he was or me and whatever. It's my life, our lives, in light of Jesus and his work there. So I'm going to continue that conversation this morning and tell you a little bit about, about myself I grew up over in Columbia. Those of y'all that don't know me, I'm trying to think. Uh, spoken in places that had people that knew me from back in the day. I don't think we have any of those except Sheila. So um, she can tell stories, I'm sure. Um, didn't, didn't go to church growing up, so I didn't have that background. I missed vacation Bible school and all the summer camps and all that. I missed a lot of the Bible stories. Um, some people would have said I was a pretty good kid, and, and I guess in ways I was, but I was plenty bad enough. Don't get me wrong, and, and I'm thankful that I didn't get caught at most of the things that I did wrong. But I grew up and was just living life as most folks do. Uh, married Sheila, this is uh, my wife Sheila and daughter Kayla. Um, excited, hard to believe this coming Wednesday, we will have been married 25 years. What? Yeah, thank you, Jesus, and thank you, Sheila. Um, thank you, Jesus, for saving me and changing me, and thank you, Sheila, for still putting up with me. Uh, it's been wonderful. I'd had some success in my career. I had been able to travel some. I'd really done some things. And, and if you'd asked me, I'd have told you I was free. You said, are you free, Mathis? And, yeah, I'm free. Of course I'm free. I probably would have flavored it with some words, but I said, of course I'm free. What do you mean? 
I live in America. Uh, and while uh, at different times of my life, it's funny because I look back and I think I, I would have answered uh, different questions about did I believe in God, did I think he was real. I think I, I remember getting to the point where I would have said that I know God's real and I know that I'm not right with him. Because I knew how bad I was. I knew the things that I did. I just became aware of that. And now I know that was God working on me and, and drawing me to himself and revealing truth. Um, the result of that was I had no peace in my life. I might have looked like I did at times. I might have looked like I was having success and, and having fun. But those things were temporary. Deep down in, in my, my soul, I guess, I, I, didn't, I didn't have peace. But I got invited to church by a friend of mine. He was actually my next door neighbor. Funny story. I won't go into all the details um, why he invited me to church. He wasn't even going himself. But uh, I went. He, got, he got invited by his friend. So, uh, but I went with him and, and sat under good Bible teaching and, and, and learned that in a way I, w- I was not that far off. That God is real, right? He did create heaven and earth in me and uh, that I'm not right with him. And I felt the weight of that. I think we all need to do that at times in our lives. Uh, the gospel is good news. And, and, and I got reminded one time that for that gospel to be really good news, you've got to feel the weight of the bad news, being separated from God. See, I, I knew that my life that I was living was messed up, and it really wasn't what it could be or should be. But I also heard that this life wasn't all there was, that there was an eternity that you'll spend in one or two places, either rightly related with God or separated from him in a really, really bad place. Once I learned all that, I would have told you, I'm not free. I'm really not free at all. Jesus said this in John 8. I think we're going to have it up on the screen. He says, starting verse 31, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, and the son being Jesus, you will be free indeed. Jesus is the truth. He he claims that in John chapter 10 when he says he's the way, the truth, and the life. So he's saying, if you know me, if you know the truth about me, and you know me, you will be truly free. See, the Pharisees, those Jewish leaders, believed if you were born in the right family and you did enough of the right things, then you were free. I love it because Jesus, he pressed hard on those who thought they had it all figured out and they didn't. He says, well, if you're truly free, then stop sinning. You might not be doing the big sins, but I know you're sinning. Stop. If you can't, then you are truly a slave to sin and you're not free. The truth is, they weren't, and we're not members of God's family because of our sin. That's the way we're born. But when we believe in Jesus, we're adopted into God's family. We, we sang of that this morning some, and we become children of God. And then we're truly free, or, or free indeed. 
See, for me personally, I, I knew the truth, right, about who God was and, and my relationship, well, lack of relationship with him. And, but then I learned about Jesus, why he came, God in flesh, what he did at the cross, what that empty tomb means, and that he's alive, um, that he paid the price for my sin. But I was struggling. I, I didn't really, I was afraid to give up control of my life. By trusting in Jesus, I didn't know what it looked like. It was familiar to me, even though it was messed up. Anybody can relate, right? I thought for a while I could change myself, but that didn't last long. I might could do something different for a little while, but I'd fall back into the same habits. But I remember going to church twice that Sunday. Good Southern Baptist Church, morning and evening services, and Good Southern Baptist Church invitations, altar call at both. And I really felt if I heard them play I Surrender All one more time, I'd run out screaming. Because I was the typical white-knuckling the pew, sweating, knowing God was calling me to surrender my life. That word surrender kind of fits me best. But I I had my list of reasons why I just hadn't. But I went home that night. I, I remember it well. And thought I was going to sleep. I couldn't go to sleep. It was about 2 in the morning. Crawled out of the bed, onto the floor. I was crying. And back then I didn't cry. Because men didn't cry. But I was crying that night. Today, I'll, I'll tear up almost anything. It's, it's awesome. Um, it's the work God's done in my heart. But I remember getting on the floor and, and tears streaming. And, and not knowing the words to say, but really just to cry of my heart. I said, God, God I'm sorry. That I've been running and, and, and living like you're not real and... I'm not going to run anymore, and that, Jesus, I trust you. And for me, and see, it can happen different ways for everybody because we're all unique, but for me, the peace that I was lacking came to me right then. It just kind of washed over me, and those tears stopped. And I went, man, this is good. Got back in bed, and I slept well, right? It was great. Um, I was set free that night. Working process, had to work through it. But for me, personally, that freedom set me free in a number of ways. Uh, I mentioned, I alluded to anyway, that I had some uh, a habit of using bad language back then. God, in a way, showed me times I had used it in public around others where I had embarrassed myself and humiliated others. And my heart hurt for that. And he used that conviction to, to change me really quickly. I was prone to tell a lie. And you know the problem with telling one lie, right? You got to tell a second one. And you got to tell a third one. Before you know it, you've gotten so far from the truth, you can't even find it. I became a man of integrity. And there's just freedom in that. Not having to remember who you told what. I found freedom to live in Jesus, live a life of faith, to really understand that God doesn't love me based on my performance. What I do or don't do or how well I do or don't do, he loves me because of his good nature, is freedom. It will, how it looked in my life, to be faithful in the small things and the big, a big thing was about 10 years ago, God had me leave my career and what was in my identity and go to work for his church and do some really crazy things that a lot of people said, that's really not wise, that's not the best business decision for you or safe thing for your family, but when God leads you to do something and you're convinced that's it. There's no, he got me where I could not do it, if that makes sense, because I was so clear of it, but I was free to do it and and not worry about 
how our needs would be provided for. He set me free. I'm now back in the corporate marketplace, but with his identity in me, not the role or responsibility I had. Jesus has also set me free to love. It seems a little silly, but I thought about this. Back, remember back in the day when you're dating and you're, you want to tell someone you love them, but you're not quite sure? What if you tell them and they don't say it back? What if you tell them and they laugh, right? And then they tell others. And I, had this, I remember having this fear. If you've been around me now, I'm likely to tell you that I love you. And I'm, it's okay if you don't get it, or if you don't love me, or if you don't say it back. Free to love. That might sound silly, but it's a big deal for me. But I also realized I'm free to love, and this was one of the bigger ways for me. I got to go to Guatemala a couple times, and I, I visited an orphanage one time, and every child there was HIV positive. And I, there had been, would have been times in my life that I, and I still wasn't quite sure how I would, how I would love or how God in me and through me would love. And I, I tell you, he did things in me that just were amazing. And that's a time that I'll never forget. See, the Pharisees thought they were free, right? Jesus says, if that's freedom, I'm going to tell you, you're free, not really. Because that's no freedom at all. Jesus said, in him, you are free indeed. That night in my bedroom, I gained my freedom. But I continued to grow in living in that freedom and God healing my heart healing me from my past, healing from lies that I've been, I believed, setting me free more and more. And, and that's what he, I want more of it. I'll just tell you, I believe it's why he created me. It's what he saved me for, uh, to be set free, to live this life. That, uh, we're saved by grace through faith, but Ephesians 2.10 says he saved us so that we can do all these good things that he's prepared us to do. That's freedom to do them motivated by love. I want that for me, I'm going to tell you, I want that for you this morning, that we would grow in that, we come in agreement with that, that God wants that for us, and that we, we let loose of the things that might keep us from being free, we would have faith that he knows best, and that we would live free indeed, amen? Amen. This morning is kind of a unique thing, I know uh, Doug alluded to the fact that Jason's not here today. So to make up for the fact that Jason's not here, you have to hear two of us. Um, so I'm not sure if that's uh, a reflection on us or a reflection on Jason. But um, either way, it's a good time. My name's Wade Hobbs. For those of you who don't know me, uh, Judy and I have been here uh, as part of this plant from the start. We uh, moved back to Columbia, South Carolina and visited Radius on the Sunday that Jason was sharing about this plant and just jumped right in. And so... Uh, exciting. I, I hate it that Eric and January aren't here this morning because I wanted to point out that this is actually my wife and my two sons. Uh, Eric asked January a couple weeks ago if all three of those were my children. Um, so I'm not, you know, I got to give him a hard time, but he's not here. So I'll have to give him a hard time some other time. But I do wanted to, to share real quickly, just before I even get into to my testimony, to, to understand the blessing we have in a pastor like Jason. I know we, we come, we're part of this church, um, and I'm saying this because he's going to hear it on tape and, and he'll give me brownie points, but I've been in church all my life, and I've been around pastors 
I've been around preachers, and sometimes those aren't always the same. Sometimes you have guys who know the people in their congregation, love the people in their congregation, but couldn't preach their way out of a paper bag. And then you have guys who preach real well, and you ask them, who's that person sitting on the front row? And they couldn't tell you their name if they had to. But uh, God has blessed us with Jason because he, he knows and loves each one of us, knows us by name, and, and does a great job when he opens up the Word. And so I just, uh, just wanted to brag on him real quick. Um, I'm going to use a clicker because you'll see in a minute, my slides are a little unique, and I didn't want to put poor Rob on, on the uh, spot to try to follow me and figure out what I'm talking about. But as we're talking about Galatians, and as Jason's been sharing, and as Doug said last week, Jason talked about Paul's testimony. And a testimony is a powerful thing. It doesn't talk about just what does the Bible say. That's important. We need to understand what the Bible says. But many times we need to understand what it does in our lives and how it changes people. It's great to hear Doug's testimony this morning. Um, I've gotten to know Doug over the last few months, but never heard his testimony. And uh, for me, it's a, a different take in a lot of ways because I grew up in, in a Christian home, gave my heart and life to the Lord when I was eight, and with the exception of about a six-month period when I was a teenager, had pretty much followed the Lord. And so it's, it's neat to hear how God changes people in, in their lives and how they, He gets a hold of lives, not necessarily in the same way that I did. But as I was thinking through this morning, one thing that Paul says in, in the Scriptures always kind of bothered me when I was a kid. He says, I urge you, therefore, to be imitators of me. Now, I thought, that's pretty cocky, you know? Be imitators of me. Look at me, how good I am, you know? But that'd be different if Paul said it once. But then 11, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Join in imitating me. We have what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things. That's pretty cocky. But as the more I grow in the Lord, the, the older I get, the more I've served the Lord, there are times I think we can say the same thing. We can challenge people to be imitators of us, not because we have it all together. Not because we are doing it perfectly, but I think, as we'll see, we'll begin to see that there's certain aspects about our lives that are true for everybody, and if we follow and if we do those things, then we can make it. I've got a picture here of Panama City Beach, Florida. I know y'all are all sitting thinking, I recognize that beach. Um, But part of my testimony, like I said, when I was eight years old, I gave my heart and life to the Lord. But another event happened when I was eight also. I stood on not necessarily this section of the beach, but stood on the beach at Panama City Beach, Florida, as an eight-year-old and watched a woman drown. She went out on a, a raft. The raft came back. Her husband went out after her. He came back. And eventually, two lifeguards went out and brought her back, and she had not made it. And I determined it as an eight-year-old that I was never going to see that happen again. So, I learned to swim. Now, hopefully that doesn't look too much like me, but I learned to swim because I thought, I don't want to ever drown myself. I don't want to see anybody else drown. And so then also, later on, I became a lifeguard. And I began to use that as an opportunity to, to protect from ever seeing that happen again. Now, generally speaking, as a lifeguard, you don't do a whole lot, but there are times when you get to keep from seeing someone drown. Now, 
throughout my time, now you're saying, why are you talking about being a lifeguard? Well, you're talking about your testimony. I think for me, this analogy, because Jason asked me to share what it's like to have freedom on mission. I serve with a mission agency here in town. Uh, you know, we took a group to Milwaukee this last summer. I travel a good bit. And, and with that, Jason wanted to say, talk about what does it mean to be free in mission, free on mission as we serve the Lord. And so as, we, as I grew up and as I was beginning to follow the Lord, when I was 17, I committed my life to serve the Lord. I said, Lord, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, whatever, however you want me to do. But be, to be honest, at the time, I was thinking I wanted to do youth ministry. And I did youth ministry for nine years. But, you know, there came that point in time where I was now too old to go to Six Flags and do lock-ins and those kind of things. And so I decided maybe youth ministry wasn't for me anymore. Um, but when, when I was at CIU in the late 80s, Judy and I were married. We went to a concert by a guy named Steve Camp. For those of you who are old enough to remember, do you remember Steve Camp? Me and, why, and Judy. Hey, hey Brian. Okay. Um, See, this is age thing, I know. That's why I have my Bible up here, because I'm old. I don't know how to use the computer one. Um, but we were at a concert with Steve Camp, and he sang these words. Lord, whatever you ask, I want to obey you, to let my life beat with a servant's heart. Lord, whatever you ask, I know that you can give me wisdom and courage to equal the task. Lord, whatever you ask. And so my wife and I stood at that concert and committed to, Lord, whatever you ask of us. We did youth ministry for a few more years. We ended up coming on staff with Crossover, the ministry I work with now. We went and suffered for the Lord in the Bahamas for two and a half years. Um, and then we came back and worked here. But then in, in 2000, God called me to pastor a church in Texas. And up until about three years ago, I was pastoring that church and, and then the book by David Platt called Radical challenged my heart that I had gotten a little too focused on who I was and what was going on in my world, and I no longer had this mentality that, Lord, whatever you ask. It was, Lord, whatever I want to do, let's do it. And so I surrendered again to follow and do whatever God wanted me to do. And so I found myself in this place right here. Now, this is not a reflection on local pastors, but for me, this was a reflection on, on me as a local pastor. You know, what good is this person doing at the Olympic trials as a lifeguard? I mean, I guess if somebody really got in trouble, they'd go in and get them. But generally speaking, you're going to be bored stiff as a lifeguard. See, look at that face. Man, they're just not having a good time. But it wasn't so much that I was bored pastoring, but I wasn't doing what God had called me to do. And I was, I was limiting what God could do in and through me. And so Judy and I decided to come back on staff with Crossover. Now, I want to just share a little bit about Crossover real quick. But before I do that, one of the things that got my heart was talking about unreached and unengaged people groups. Now, we talk, we talk about unreached people, and there are unreached people here in, in West Columbia. There are people who do not know Jesus Christ. But when we talk about unreached people groups and unengaged people groups, we're talking about something totally different. Unreached people groups only have a small portion of Christians, even in their people group, and not enough to have a church, not enough to have a, a strong witness among that people group. Unengaged people groups are people who have no access to the gospel whatsoever. Now, how many churches did you pass on the way here this morning? There was one right across the street. I mean, we're right. I don't know which direction we are. Anyway, there's one right here. 
We have access to the gospel. So there are people who have no access whatsoever to the gospel. And so I came back on staff with Crossover because even though spiritual needs are everywhere, access to the gospel is not. And Crossover's goal is to provide gospel access to unreached people groups. Now, let's come back to my analogy. Why was I talking about lifeguarding? Why am I talking about swimming? What gives me freedom to be a lifeguard? The fact that I know how to swim. If I didn't know how to swim, I couldn't be a lifeguard, right? Be kind of a, a, a bad deal. The freedom to be able to jump in the water and know what I'm doing to relax in the water. I've taught a lot of people how to swim. 53-year-old man last year, or two years ago, that I taught to swim that left a handprint on my thigh. He was so afraid. I mean, I, for a week, I had fingerprints on my thigh where he grabbed me because he was scared to death of the water. And he said, why are you so relaxed in the water? I said, I've been in the water basically all my life. And it's, it's part of who I am. And so freedom in Christ is like being in that water for me. I, I'm immersed in him. That freedom that I get from being immersed in him gives me the ability when I'm talking to people about the Lord, when I'm going to countries that maybe have the possibility of me going to jail for sharing the gospel, when I have all these, you know, young man the other day asked me at Liberty University, do y'all teach people um, martial arts when you send them overseas? I said, well, you know, if you're in the Istanbul airport and a bomb goes off, martial arts doesn't do you a whole lot of good. So no, we really don't do that. But you know, what gives me the freedom to do that? The same thing that gives me the freedom to jump in water when someone's drowning to pull them out is the fact that I know how to swim. And that freedom also brings other things. I see people all the time on Facebook, they're so excited about the freedom they have to drink or the freedom they have to do these different things. And there's nothing wrong with that. We do have freedom in Christ, but it's freedom in Christ. It's like me saying, as a lifeguard, I have the freedom to do a cannonball. Wow, I can. I can do a cannonball. I can do a can opener. I've never been real good at a flip. Can't do all those kind of things, but but I have the freedom to do those because of who, the fact that I know how to swim. But I didn't learn how to swim so I could do a cannonball. And just knowing how to swim is not enough for me anyway. To be a swimmer on mission, I had to be a lifeguard. And so for me, freedom in Christ, freedom on mission is this idea that I'm serving the Lord I'm immersed in who he is and what he's done for me. And the access to the gospel that I had growing up with all of my family knowing about the Lord, growing up being in church since nine months before I was born, you know, knowing this, having that access that now I have a responsibility because of the freedom that I have to share that freedom with people who don't have access, who don't have the opportunity. And so that's why I can say I have freedom on mission. I can serve the Lord because of what he's done. Because I learned to swim. Because I learned to follow the Lord. Because I committed to him. And not, so when I say we can go back to follow me, like Paul said, is the reason I can say that is, you know what? God gifted me. God gave me passions. God gave me a heartbeat. God gave me certain strengths. And he uses all of those where he has me. And I can say, follow me as I follow Christ, because God has given you certain gifts. 
God's given you certain abilities. God's given you certain passions. God's given you certain heartbeats. And he gives you the same power and the same strength and the same freedom that he gives to me to serve on mission where he has you placed. Do each of you need to go to an unreached people group? No. I've got a good friend of mine in Texas that the last place I would take him would be Turkey. Because he, I mean, you know, for lack of a better way of saying it, he's redneck to the bone. And in Turkey, he's going to get us both killed. I, can, I just know it's going to happen. So I'm not going to take him to Turkey with me. So, but, but he has freedom to serve where he is. And so not everybody's called to go to unreached people groups. Not everybody's called to work at a mission board. Not everybody's called to be a pastor. But every one of us are called to be on mission. And we can be on mission because of the freedom that comes through Christ. My life verse is Colossians chapter 1, verses 28 and 29. It says this, We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching every man with all wisdom that we may present everyone complete in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. And that last verse, verse 29, has five different words for the word power. I, have, I can be a lifeguard because of the power that comes because I know how to swim. I can be on mission with Christ because of the power that comes because of what he's done in my life, how he's changed me and how he's available to use and work through me at all times. So when it comes down to knowing your gifts, knowing your heartbeat, knowing your passion, knowing where God has placed you on mission, I can say, follow me as I follow Christ. Let's pray.